Yeah, he's like laying on the couch, like he's like he's about to Netflix and chill, or just you know, <laughs> bring me my ramen noodles now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on, one of you nuts has got any guts? Put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you, but what right? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, this week, since we covered one of Guy Ritchie's older movies, Rock and Rolla, we are taking a look at his new release, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. And who better to do that than our resident expert on accents and Charlie Hunnam and Guy Ritchie is Hyro from the True Bromance Film Podcast. So thanks for being here, Hyro. I thought you were going to go with resident expert on swordplay, on uh, wielding <laughs> a massive sword, a a legendary a, sword. A, a dagger. Sword that, a... <laughs> a sword that everyone fights over, particularly those of the uh, fairer uh, sex. Yeah. Uh, fair sex don't come off too well in this movie, but uh, we'll get into that. So, but, Are there but, any in here? Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. But before we talk about that, why don't you uh, tell people where to find you online and where to listen to your award-winning podcast, Hiro? There it is. There it is. So we are – I'm actually the uh, better half of the True Bromance Film Podcast. Uh, you can Google that, True Bromance Film Podcast. It comes up. Uh, you can find us at thefollowingfilms.com with uh, this Grendel show. And uh, yeah, you can iTunes and Stitcher, the usual suspects. Just look for TrueBromanceFilm.com. Just Google it. That's, that's... Just Google it. <laughs> All right. So um, you are one of the, I think, four or five replacements I have uh, picked up for uh, for Michael Denniston. It's one of those blockbuster trades. Mike got traded for like four or five people. I think I probably got the better end of the deal. I on think this. so too. Yeah. So I don't call it improvements, not replacements. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I just I called I called people up from the farm system and got rid of a non-producing uh, utility infielder and in, in Michael Denniston. Uh, but I saddled you with uh, with this week, which gave us kind of two choices. It gave us snatched. And it gave us King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. So do you think I made the right call between those two? From what I've been hearing about Snatch, and I haven't seen it, so I can't uh, speak for it firsthand. I think we did. I think I think you made a great call because uh, I've heard that Snatch is a giant walking pile of turd. Yep, that's what I've heard too. So uh, speaking of the opposite end of this, what did you think of King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword? I will say I think that the trailers do this a disservice. I mean, the trailers had me pretty much as low as you could get on a movie. Maybe I, maybe I was a little lower on Snatch than I was on this. But, I mean, I went in with zero expectations. I watched this in a dumpster fire of a theater. Hey, me and too. I had a, Cheapest theater yeah. I could find. <laughs> exactly. It was $5 I paid in cash. It was in and out. Um, I did have to de-louse after <laughs> Get to the eyewash station, get the get the really, really hot water. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was coming out of the um what's that space movie with Gyllenhaal and those guys and they're trying oh, to with life. Yeah, what they needed. Um no honestly I had a good time with it. I I, I acknowledge its flaws and particularly some of the, the Deux Machina stuff towards the back end and I think that Guy Ritchie hits the gas a little hard at times with his style. That's kind of what he uh, does, yeah. Right. I mean, but I think he teeters on the edge of going too far sometimes. And he, yeah. 
at some moments I loved it. I loved sort of the way he frames um, his story. So like he does this kind of trick where he'll show an event happening, but he intersplices the past of what led up to it. Right. And that works really, really well. It's very much like uh, the Sherlock Holmes thing. You know, he took an existing classical property and, you know, shoved his style all over it. And I would assume that's what the studio was thinking. It's like, oh, man, you did great with uh, (laughs) with old Sherlock. Why don't we try it again with uh, King Arthur? And that's how he got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to make this thing. But uh, (laughs) no, I was all about it, man. I think uh, the secretary of the Treasury did a great job in putting together another another great film, as he always does, like he did with Mad Max and uh, like the secretary of Treasury did with uh, lots of movies. Yeah, I think I had a very similar experience to you in leading up to this movie. Like I saw what amounts to basically a teaser trailer, a really short trailer, and I was like, that looks like the worst movie of the year. I have no interest in this. This looks terrible. And then the second trailer came out, which focused a lot more on Jude Law, and I was like, okay, I have an in now because – I will I will pay money to see Jude Law in a bad movie. I will pay money to see him chew scenery. I am down for that. So I was kind of ready for this. But I also had pretty low expectations. I didn't expect much out of it. And I was just – I got into like not an argument but a discussion on Twitter about like people talking about like, well, I didn't believe in Jude Law's character motivations and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what movie – did you think you were watching like I this is why I get annoyed with like movie rating systems is like you're expecting something different from this than you are of silence like you can't you can't grade them on of the course, on the same right. scale like I'm going you to could this. probably grade this closer to a superhero movie yeah. than you would a movie like silence or even like like the older King Arthur like Excalibur or something right. like that it's just it's a hundred percent different this is a superhero movie through and through it's popcorn fair it, it's it, it's disposable fun. Yeah. And and I think he actually does a good job with it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this guy Ritchie's best. I don't, I don't think it's great, but I also don't think it was terrible. Like there, he makes some really interesting choices. There's, there's, there's like a, there's like 10 different tones in this movie. He does this thing where he's essentially, when you get a little bit of background on Arthur as he's in kind of like the, the back strengths of Londinium, as they call it in oh, this movie, so which is terrible, but still like it got a laugh out of me in the theater. Like when that, when that came up, but it's essentially like his characters from, from Snatch and from Lockstock, but they just happen to be in medieval England. And I think that's like a really interesting choice, but then later in the movie, it goes like full on fantasy like old school Arthurian legend and it's like it couldn't figure out really what it wanted to be I feel like there's a three hour cut of this movie that makes more sense because it does feel like edited to within an inch of its life even more than most Guy Ritchie movies and I was just like I feel like there are things missing but in a vacuum there's about 10 sequences in this movie that I absolutely love you know, oh, yeah, I, I'm just not sure. sure it all quite works together like it feels like there's definitely some things that have been chopped out I I agree, and I I think I said this a, a bunch of times. Is this would have, this would be, make a great television series? Like I would like yeah. to see the travels of uh, of uh, King Arthur and his merry men as they go fighting across the countryside or doing whatever. Especially with like you're saying, like those that lock, stock, two smoking barrels sort of dynamic, the way they they interact with each other. I loved the friends, yeah, uh, especially the little blues dad or whatever his face was, mm-hmm. lack lack. Or whatever. Something like um, that, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's such but, a Guy uh, Ritchie thing, too. It's like bullet tooth Tony, but we're just going to throw him in, in old England. <laughs> absolutely. I, I loved all that stuff. I think that, like what you were saying about Jude Law earlier, and I know I texted you this. Does he have, like, 
Is this the the world champion of sneering disgust? Oh, I don't remember what I said. Oh, he, I mean, he is constantly with this face of disdain for everybody around him, and I loved it. You know, there's a sequence, and it's in the trailer where he kind of comes out and he's wearing like these two, I guess, gauntlets. Is what do you call them? <laughs> and he's got his hands up, and he's and he must take a good two minutes. He to, is milking to it, man. Being around <laughs> and he's soaking it all in. He's like Manny Machado's home run shot. You know what I mean? He's, <laughs> And there's there's so many moments with him like that in this movie. There's a scene where he's talking to a bunch of Vikings in his throne room. And just the way he's, like, lounging on this throne, it's just so much disdain and disrespect for everyone. Like, even the people who are loyal to him. And I just – I loved his performance. Like, give me a movie about Jude Law's character. I would watch the hell out of that movie. He's, like, laying on the couch. Like, he's he's about to Netflix and chill or just, you know (laughs) – Bring me my ramen noodles now. (laughs) He's just laying there in utter disgust. I love that guy. There's so much to like about this movie. I do think it's a cool concept to lay uh, Guy Ritchie style on this property Mm -hmm. Um, because the Arthurian legend has been done a million times. But for me, I guess it never really gets old. I even like the the Clive Owen thing. I mean, that's fine. Right. I I like the various takes on this story. uh, the sword in a stone thing or whatever that's fine but this is kind of fresh it's fun i mean this is for me the best big budget blockbuster i've seen so far this year um, i think but- the only problem here is i think god bless them i think they spent too much money on this there's no way that a movie like this unless it somehow latches onto the cultural consciousness like right when it opens which it hasn't i mean it's flopping um but like it's a 175 million dollar budget I mean, yeah. that that's like DC Marvel level budgets. So for this to even make its money back would be a miracle. And I don't, and it, oh, it's not, and it's, it's not, not going it's to. And, but when you look at this movie, like, yeah, there's some cool sequences, but it's not a movie where like you, you could pick out, oh, that's where all the money went. Like it, you know, it looks gritty. It looks grimy. And it's, you know, the action sequences are uneven. I think, I think there's some that are really good. And then I, I think like the final battle sequence is a little too CGI heavy and video game like to really have your audience get into it so i feel like it makes you wonder like okay where did all this money go because i think this movie is much better served if you cut like if you cut this budget in half and i think you could do it and make the a similar film i think this works a lot better yeah because you don't need the effects the 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 true charm of this movie lies in the editing and lies in the dynamic between the characters um i think that you take some of those cgi effects and you know you save say 50 million dollars you take a third of that, and you give it to a real actor to lead this movie. Um, oh, so you didn't like? See, I thought Charlie Hunnam was fine. I didn't think he was think great, fine, but but I didn't think he was bad. Imagine if you have somebody like with some oomph to him, you know, a real star. Like, so let's uh, let's put you on the let's put you on the spot. Who would you cast as the 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 future King Arthur in this movie? Oh gosh, oh man, now you put me on the spot. The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> You're always your answer. Anyone, like, anyone from the U, just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there a defensive lineman like Warren Sapp? Can he get in there and <laughs> do it? Right. No, um, I mean, like the, the likes of Brad Pitt is too old and like Fassbender, maybe I could see Fassbender would be fun. Yeah, and I'd like to see Fassbender do a similar kind of because this is a lot of humor, like like a lot right. of similar humorish style. Uh, that would be fun. I think he, I think he could do it. I mean, he's got the physique for it. Yeah, he's got the. The command presence, like when you put him in a scene, and I think he's a better draw than I would hope he's a better draw than Charlie Hunnam. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even know who is a draw at this point. Like, it's kind of a mystery to me because we're just kind of done with movie stars. So it's become this world where we can't just put someone in a lead role and be like, oh, well, the they'll sell the gate for sure. It's just it's just not that kind of world anymore. Yeah, I thought that, you know, the first guy that came to mind was Chris Pratt. But I'm like thinking, man, he he's he's getting to Sam Worthington range where he's along for the ride in these properties. And he's a little um, goofy. And and I think I think the humor in this movie is more like sharp and snarky than it is like Pratt Falls and goofiness. Like it just yeah, doesn't work yeah. that way. I, yeah, think, I think Fast Burns is a good choice. I think for Eric me. Banna, put Eric Banner in the lead. There you go. Um, I think I have like two. Uh, two kind of complaints about this movie, and one is like the way the way women are treated in this movie is like why oh, why are you even here? Um, there's there's this uh, there's this thing uh, online called fridging that started in comic books where female comic book uh, characters were much more likely to be killed or grievously injured to service the arc of a male comic book hero. And that's essentially what we have here is like basically every woman, literally. Yeah. Like every <laughs> like woman, throw her in the water, <laughs> Yeah, throw her in the water, uh, stab her, slice her throat. Like, you know, have this replaying memory of, of his mom being like gutted by this creature. I mean, it was just like in every single character death, every female character that's, or even female characters who were at risk, it was all so King Arthur could get his shit together. And that's a little, that's, that's not great. You know, I, I don't think it was – I don't think you go into this movie looking for gender equality. <laughs> I mean if you look yeah, at the no. trailer, were there women in the trailer? I, I had no idea there are going to be women in this movie at all. But it is a little – it's not great as you're, as you're watching the movie. Yeah. I, I don't know if – I think that, that – I agree. Maybe the mage character could have been spruced up a little bit and have her – Give it a little more dialogue, a little more. Talk about I mean, no, no presence. Jesus. Zero. I mean, <laughs> she was, she's doing like, uh, like, like she was like in a Madonna video or something like that, like <laughs> curling your fingers and then Ugh. birds are flying and all that stuff. It's just, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, if, if you're looking for, I guess, for gender equality in this $175 million nonsensical movie, um, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen maybe the mage character get a little bit more to do or, or maybe a better actress or. Somebody Something. with some some oomph. Yeah, the only other like kind of major issue I had with the movie is because – and this is a tough area because this legend is so well-known at this point. You brought up earlier there's been like 100 movies made of this and you know uh, stories you're read to as a kid and Disney movies. Like everyone knows the kind of main players in this and the fact that like the character of Merlin and the character of Lancelot and the character of Guinevere are kind of completely gone. It left me kind of wanting a little bit more and it makes me wonder how much was cut out and how much maybe this is better served as you said as like a mini series or a like three or four season tv show because it just feels like they tried to shrink the world down a little bit too much and it's like solely focused on arthur and we're missing out on some of the cool stuff well you got to leave something for the sequel dave come on buddy i mean <laughs> you know you don't uh you don't just drop the joker and and, and batman begins you wait till the dark night and get Fair maximum enough. dollar for your investment <laughs> you know how this works i mean come on now buddy yep. Um, and I, I sincerely believe that that was the intent. You yeah, don't well, I mean, the way this movie ends, I mean, it's certainly set up for more. For the like, adventures of King Arthur. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that uh, – I, you know what I would have liked, going back to the women thing, is just convert the Merlin character into that mage 
Stop, don't call her me. Just call her Merlin. Right. Why does Merlin got have to be a, a dude? Why yeah, can't it doesn't have to be a dude with a white beard. It's fine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It could be a lady with a white beard. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about this movie is I felt like it worked, but I did feel like Guy Ritchie was, I won't say stealing, but very liberally borrowing from other filmmakers' sources. Like the beginning action sequence, while great, all I could think of was Lord of the Rings, where you have these giant elephants attacking, you know, yep. storming this place. I was like, okay, I've seen this before. And then we have the sequences where uh, – and actually some of my favorite sequences are the the kind of montage sequences. And there's two of them in the movie, one where Arthur is growing up and one where he's kind of going through this, this you know weird forest trying to you know grapple with his memories and his power. But the first one where he's growing up and being trained to fight, all I could think of was the training sequences in 300. Like it, it – the area looks the same. You know, the editing is very similar to Zack Snyder's film. So there's a lot of times where he's just kind of – it feels like he's pulling from these sources – and until the movie really gets going and Arthur has grown up, to me, it almost doesn't feel like a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that. And uh, I agree. I mean, it does feel very borrowed and, and very, I guess, unoriginal a bit. But I did enjoy it. Like, I, I much prefer that, you know, one minute blazing clip of little King Arthur kind of growing up and fighting. And also what's happening with the Jude Law character, what's happening with. You know, his rise to power and and him becoming Scar and on Pride Rock and, you know, making bad things right. happen. I, I, I like that stuff. I, I prefer that to um, the scroll, you know, 20 years later. Right. Now we've got all these problems and stuff that's been done a thousand times. It's that's and it also taps the, into what Guy Ritchie does well. You know what he like, you're never, ever going to watch a Guy Ritchie movie and go like, well, that should be an Oscar nominated performance by that actor. That's really not what he does. His focus is on this kind of the visceral nature of his visuals. And when you have these sequences of time passing and characters growing purely through visuals, that's where he's really in his element. And that those are the parts of the movie, I think, that really work. And I think he also does a good job of building up when it comes to his special effects sequences. Like, granted, we have this huge thing in the beginning, but like as Arthur is gaining control of his sword, like the first time he uses his sword's powers, which feels a bit like a video game, like he's, he's you know, the bar is filled up and he's reached his special power and he could just take out everybody. But the, I love yeah. that the first time we can't really see what's happening and neither can he, but by the end of the film, he's really gained control and allowed the audience to see what is happening kind of in slow motion and with these cool action sequences. Yeah, no, I loved all that stuff. Like you're saying, that that slow-mo with the sword is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but there's one towards the back end that I almost hated. I, I, if we do spoilers, we could talk about that. But uh, the, the, my real disdain with my, – my, the bad stuff in this movie I think comes in the last 10 to 15 minutes of yeah. the film. Um, everything up to then was fine. Um, I didn't – I was never bored. I was never you know, rolling my eyes at stuff because – I think you buy into this movie once you're once you're in three four minutes of the film. You you okay, I know what I'm in for. Like you know, I paid my five jab. bucks. Let's do it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yep. I'm in. I'm in the high school auditorium. I'm, let's do this. Right. But he's he, the the film just gives you it doesn't doesn't mince words at all. It's just it's immediate how quickly it goes to what the movie's supposed to be. You know, it doesn't hide any of that stuff. It doesn't pretend to be Excalibur or some you right. know. It's not Jane Eyre. It's none of this stuff, man. <laughs> this is balls to the walls, ridiculous fun. And I think everybody, even little guys like side players like Jaime and Hunsu uh, are doing a, are a good job. I like Tom Wu's character. I would have liked a little mm -hmm. bit more from that dude. Yeah. Um, 
just I mean I had fun, man. I, this is probably the, the 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 best blockbuster, I guess, the best big budget movie that I've seen this year so far. All right, and of course it's going to fail because because that's the way oh, these God. things work. Yeah. All right, I think we'll actually go to spoilers now, but I think we both had kind of a similar experience. Like it's not it's not going to be on anyone's top ten list, but it's it's a really fun time, and I think Jude Law is great, and Charlie Hunnam is serviceable, uh, and Guy Ritchie is Guy Ritchie. Like it, it's one of those movies that if you like Guy Ritchie's style, if you like his movies, you're going to enjoy yourself. If you didn't yeah. like Snatch, if you didn't like Rock and Rolla, if you didn't like Lockstock, if you didn't like the Sherlock Holmes movies, you are going to hate this because it's. I think it's dialed up even an extra notch in this movie. So if you're not a Guy Ritchie fan, do not bother watching this movie because it you're going to hate be. it. Turn it up. Turn yeah. it up. Get crunk, Guy Ritchie. <laughs> do you, man. You marry Madonna for the love of God. You've got tons of street cred. That's do right. It. All right. So let's go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So you had mentioned there is a action sequence near closer to the end of the film that you kind of turned you off. What was what so was two big sequence? problems? Two big problems. Number one, the action sequence where he fights Jude Law dressed up as one of the uh, as one of the wraiths from whatever. Uh, By the way, the was rings. anyone fooled into thinking that wasn't going to be Jude Law at the end of the movie? Like because they don't show him and they prop it up like it's this mystery. Like, what is this creature? Because you, they cut short the memory all the I time. I didn't think it was supposed to be a mystery. I, I thought it was dead on, like, right from the beginning. I think the one cool thing was that his dad was the Sword of the Stone. The, that the stone. was a nice touch. That was cool. I like that yeah. a lot. That was, And then I, I, his mom is the Lady of the Lake, correct? I think so. Yeah, I think that's I think what they're so. hinting at. I think at. that could have got fleshed out maybe a little bit better. They right. could have, like, Give me a, get that hair out of her face when she's underwater. Like brush it aside so I can see. But I think actually you know, the lady in the lake is probably the most beautiful shot in the entire movie. When he goes yes. down into the lake and you see her just kind of trailing backwards and him floating through the water, like it's just like as a shot on its own, maybe one of the prettiest things Guy Ritchie has ever put on film. Yeah. So that fight sequence between uh, between Charlie Hunnam and uh, and and Jude Law is. Just too far. Just way. It's just a video too... game. It's a cutscene from a video game. It's yeah, incoherent. It's so totally. It's too flashy. It's too look at me. It's spinning around. I had a hard time following it. Yep. Uh, I would have liked a shorter. Just settle down, man. Settle right. down. And then the other thing I had a problem with was the giant snake. It was the. It was this Deus Machina thing. Yeah. Um, like you would have thought. A lot went into this film, right? $175 million, great editing, uh, reasonable story, whatever, whatever. But then this one ball, that's the best you could come up with. A giant snake rushes in out of nowhere. No idea what this – where did that come from? What was that? Yeah, see, see, that's the thing that bothered me about it is where did that come from? So they set up the mages I think in a really interesting way that they're – one of their most you know common powers is that they can control animals. Which is kind of a cool thing and kind of a cool setup. Um, and so her coming in, sneaking in as this smaller snake, like, okay, that works. Let's see how this turns out. And then apparently somewhere in nature there is a snake that's like 300 feet tall uh, that she could t- – and it's never explained like how she accomplished that. And I think that if you set that up in the right way, it can work. But like you said, the way they set it up, it just feels like, oh, you know, Jude Law has gotten the upper hand. Now what are we going to do? Oh, we got a bigger one. It's cool. Like what? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Backup that, snake. It's okay. It, it reminds me of that trash pile Pacific Rim. You know? Oh, you fuck you. Sword, you know what? I'm hanging up. <laughs> if you could take the sword out and cut a dude right in half, pull out the sword in the 
third minute of the movie. Don't wait till the last third of the movie, brother. Pull it out, man. I think this is a much more extreme than that. If you've got the snake from King Kong that can (laughs) – gallons of venom ready to go. Right. Can you please – where was this thing the whole time? Right. Where was was this thing hiding? Like I don't don't understand. Yeah, the same guy who took – came up with that sword thing in, in Pacific Rim came up with this freaking stupid snake. Jesus. It yeah, was ridiculous. But I think for me, I think the, I mean, we kind of danced around it earlier, but I think the best action sequence is when he's kind of storming the castle on his own. And we finally get to see the kind of slow motion battle sequence up close instead of just, you know, behind the dust. Like you have these really cool moments where he's, you know, taking out these guys and blocking arrows. And like, you can really see like what power this sword has. And I'm glad that you finally got to see that, you know, cause the rest of the movie, it feels like, Oh, it's a little bit of a mystery. We're hiding behind, we're hiding behind the setting. We're not really going to show you what's going on because he's not really aware. So I'm glad we finally got to see that. And yeah, it is very CGI heavy and there's, three or four moments within that elongated fight sequence where you, it really reads as CGI, but I think it's still a lot of fun and it really works. Yeah. I think that, uh, uh, you know, another kind of gripe I have and it's whatever is you've got this actor who is, you know, he's all right for this serviceable. Yeah. He's fine. But his real strength is what he looks like. Right. And, you know, you get that one sequence of him boxing and he's naked and he's whatever. Sold. Can we, this movie was great he, already. Just when we had that. <laughs> why was he not fighting without a shirt on the entire time? I agree. Like, storm the castle with no shirt on, bro. I mean, you put just a lot like, of work into Just like tear it off apps. Hulk style and then just go to town. Yeah. Yeah. Okay like, I am, the, I am a real American in the background. Let's just let it ride, man. <laughs> Let it go. I would actually love that if that happened. <laughs> oh, to see that outtake. Um, so, you know, all through this movie, of course, for most of it, you're like, oh, this is such a Guy Ritchie movie. And from a negative perspective, the moment it really hit me was the end of the film when he's like building the table and there's all these kind of snide jokes. Like, what is that? He's like, it's a table. It's a fucking table. It's a fucking table. You it's a fucking table sit at it. <laughs> like, but the whole idea behind the round table and the Knights of the Round Table is that none of them outrank each other and they all respect each other. So there's right. no there's no head at this table. And like, it's never even mentioned. They're just like, that's eh, a table. Anyway, good night, everybody. <laughs> I was like, really? You're not going to yeah. mention anything about the legend or how much you're all respect and how much you bonded together through this two hours and ten minutes uh, in this battle. Like, I thought it it could have used, like, a nice little bit at the end to kind of really set up for moving forward, which, of course, it never will because it's not making any money. But it did feel like, and we're just going to stop now. Okay. Roll credits. (laughs) You know what I was kind of expecting was that the kid Blue was going to end up being – uh, when he, you know, swear him in or whatever, he was going to be Lancelot. I thought that for sure the whole way I was like, I got this. It's Lancelot. Look at him. <laughs> you know, he'll 10 more years. He'll be like little Anakin Skywalker, you know, when he's just taking down ladies <laughs> right and left. Uh, I, but nope, uh, yep. I failed. Yeah. Yeah. But I think overall it's a, it's a good time at the theater. Like, it's and if, and if you go see a special effects, big budget extravaganza, like that's what you want. Like, I don't expect to go to see a comic book movie or this, which is basically a comic book or a video game movie and be like moved to tears. I just expect to have a fucking good time. And I did. Yeah. I had a great time at this, man. I mean, I think the only thing that was missing for me was beer. Cause I went to a turd hole of a, mm. of a theater. I uh, one beer, man. I would have had a perfect. great time with this thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would have had a great time. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so, before you take off, one more time, let people know how to find you online. Uh, True Romance Film Podcast. Google that thing. 
faint and weary. What is that? Like some big fat dude in a suit, you know, like just <laughs> chewing on a cigar. <laughs> they like music? Like give them music. <laughs> yeah, give them Oh, you like, like baby Groot? How about teenage Groot at the end of this movie? Like, okay. Oh, emo Groot. <laughs> like, like Boss Hog from Dukes of Hazzard sitting behind his chair and just fucking <laughs> calling the shots for Marvel Studios. <laughs> like, I, I want to see what Kevin Feige looks like. I bet you he looks like Boss Hog. Yeah.